Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Three people are doing great. That's awesome. Uh, it's a huge sports day, right? Rafael Nadal just won his 21st Grand Slam title. Tennis. Good. Okay. That's fine. I'm excited. And also later, there's something, I assume. Um, oh, yeah. Now, I have the mic on. There we go. Hey, uh, if you are listening at home, I'm not going to retell my amazing joke that was just, everybody was rolling, so we're going to keep moving from there. Uh, but I am going to start talking. Uh, we're in the Biggest Loser series, by the way, not related to the title. It's really funny to see everyone up there waving frantically uh, at me. So the funny part is I was sitting there thinking, okay, remember to turn on your mic. And then I got up here and I was so focused on what I was going to say. That's how it happens. Anyway, so we're in the Biggest Loser series. And I'm not a reality TV show guy, but I, I enjoy the concept of this show uh, from back in the day and, and how, I believe Dwayne said a couple weeks ago, the idea was not just to lose, but to gain more, to gain a better life, to gain better health, to gain uh, a better look at yourself, whatever. And that's what this series is about. We're talking about things that we can lose, things that we can give up, uh, things that we can change. But it's about gaining that, that respect, gaining that life with Christ, gaining that strength in our relationship. And so this week I'm going to talk about anger. Uh, and I'm going to talk about just what it's like to hold on to that and what causes that and just kind of go from there. So I'm going to start with Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 31. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing instead. Quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit in the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Uh, so I'm talking from, my, my title is Smash, and if you get that, that's awesome, if not, eh. Uh, but this scripture is so amazing to me, and when I first started praying and thinking about what I wanted to talk about with the, the Biggest Loser topic and everything, and anger came to me, I read this scripture, and it's so deep, and there's so much here, but in terms of controlling our anger, in terms of losing it, in terms of getting a handle on it, it all starts with accepting that anger is human. Accepting that that first like feeling of anger is going to happen. One of the things I say a lot uh, to the teens, but to everybody, you can't control that first thought, that first impulse, that first thing that pops in your head. But... From there, you do have control. And sometimes we just kind of cling to that and we let it go and we're like, oh, well, you know, I'm human. And that's true. And so we have to let ourselves have grace there. But also, we have to remember that we are exemplifying someone else. We are exemplifying the Spirit of God and we're trying to show a way to Christ, trying to show a, a better way. And sometimes... When we have that first thought, like we, we see something or we hear something and it just makes us mad or, or whatever else, somebody says the wrong thing, somebody talks behind our back, you know how this works, something happens at work, something happens at home, something happens at school, something happens in traffic when it snows and people in Ohio apparently don't know what snow looks like on the roads, but 
Side note, uh, sometimes we cling to that and we think, you know what? This anger is going to help me prove my point. This person needs to see how passionate I am. This person needs to see what this means. And we almost start to feel like it's heroic in an argument or in a thing. Uh, we think that it emphasizes our point. We think that people see that and they don't think, oh, they've lost control. We think that they're like, oh, man, look how passionate they are. Look how, how strongly they believe I am truly changed by the way that they are screaming at me. Uh, I have a clip from a documentary to kind of emphasize this. <laughs> now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret, yeah. I'm always in. You guys remember that from a few years ago? Scary time. Uh, I'm a big comics fan, as you probably know if you've ever talked to me or seen me anywhere. But uh, in that movie and in the Hulk's history, and I'm not going to go like deep on the Hulk, don't worry. But his whole deal for most of his career, and I could get into the weeds, I'm not going to, is when Bruce Banner, the doctor, the guy who is the main guy, the Dr. Jekyll, so to speak, uh, when he gets angry, he turns into the Hulk, and, and he's powerful, and he helps stop alien invasions, and he does all these heroic things. And sometimes we think like that. We're like, oh man, I'm going to Hulk out and really save this situation. I'm going to Hulk out and really do that. But the thing that we miss is the Hulk is a tragic figure. Because as you watch the movies, and I encourage you all to go home this week and watch all of them. Uh, but as you watch the movies or as you read the comics, you see how much that takes a toll on Bruce Banner. And I get that they're fictional, believe me. But how much it takes a toll, that anger. And later on in a different movie, um, he is like, people are like, hey, you got to Hulk out. You got to do this. You got to turn into the Hulk. And he's like, hey, I've got seven PhDs. Like, I have value too. And, and he's just seen by his anger. And so sometimes, even though we think we're doing the right thing, even though we think, man, I'm really saving this situation, I'm really hulking out, we're starting to be defined by that anger. And it's not like in the comics, it's not like in the movies, like, this is real life. These, these are real impacts that we have. And when we walk around without being able to control that anger, people start to worry, well, what if this sets them off? What if this does that? And people start acting differently. And it's no longer about Jesus or what, what example we're setting. It's about walking on eggshells around us. And that is the, the dark side of that. That is the hard side of that. And in the scripture, it talks about giving the devil a, a foothold. And that means wrath. That means hurting people. That means giving in to that anger. Because as I said, we cannot control that first flash of anger because it happens. Because we're going to see stuff on TV. We're going to see stuff in sports. We're going to see stuff in life that just makes us angry. And that's fine because that's human and that's natural. And, and we have a humanity. We have a morality. But when we give that a foothold, when we give into that and we just react and we just hulk out and we just smash, then, then that leads to wrath. And here's the thing. Once we give in once, it's much easier to give in the next time. And then the, it's even easier to give in the next time. And before we know it, we suddenly have an anger problem. But, but we never had an anger problem before. How is it possible that I just keep exploding? How is it possible that I just keep hurting people? 
Because we lose that foothold, because we've given it up. Way back, probably 70, 80 years, when I was about 15, uh, I had an anger problem. Now, when you're kind of in that age range, it's natural to have uh, kind of an anger feel or to, to be upset or whatever. I was raised by my great-grandparents. They were wonderful people, but it was very different. Uh, they were, well, by then they were in their 80s, I think, and, and, or near there at least. And they had lived through the Great Depression when they were married, so big deal. So that defined them. That's why I still can't throw anything away, but it is what it is. One day, one day, people are going to be like, oh man, I really need a plastic fork from some restaurant and some paper plates, and, and I'm going to be the person that we come to. So remember that when there's a big run on that stuff, like with toilet paper a couple years ago. But when I was about 15, uh, Okay, I'm going to say something that makes me sound tremendously old, and I think that you guys will uh, like this. Uh, the toys and the things in cereal boxes used to be a lot better than they are now. <laughs> yes, okay. So, go with me. They used to be. And I remember, I believe it was Frosted Flakes, they had this deal going where you got baseball cards. And I really wanted a Griffey, because I love Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, he's awesome, everybody knows that. And I really wanted that. And so I was so excited to, to get to the cereal box and open it. And I go to the cereal box and I open it and, and there's no cards. And so, you know, I'm 15, so obviously I was very rational. And, and I just, I got mad. And my cousin had been visiting and I knew, I knew he was younger that he had taken those cards. And I was so mad and I just didn't know how to react. And so I ran out to the garage and I can still see this. I ran out to the garage and I just pushed the door so hard, except I pushed through the glass. And so I actually still have a scar on my wrist that reminds me what happens when you just go out in anger. And it's, it smashed, and uh, glass got in my wrist, and it hurt, and that, I'll tell you this, if you're angry and you're suddenly bleeding, nothing cools you down quicker than that. But I always remember that. And, and, I'm, even at 15, I was like, I got to get a hold of this. Like, this is ridiculous. It's a baseball card. And I still wanted those baseball cards. I never got them. But it took a while. Even after accepting, like, oh, man, this scar, it's going to remind me. And, and, man, this is bad. I can't do this. I can't be known as this. It still took a while. I had to work at it. Um, if you know me, you don't. You know that I don't blow up at people. But I still feel that anger sometimes. We all feel that anger sometimes. And sometimes we feel like, oh, well. It's not working because I still feel it. No, it's, it's that control that you gain over time. It's working at it. It's praying at it. It's understanding that it's natural, but, but that it doesn't own you. And, you know, looking back now, I can see that it wasn't just the card. There were other things going on. And one of the things that we do, too, when we are hurting, when things are going poorly for us, when we are, say, Titans fans, and your quarterback is awful, but congratulations to you guys. <laughs> And really, I'm for the Bengals, but it hurt. Uh, when everything is just kind of moving against us and not going the way we want it, we sometimes forget, oh man, hurt people hurt people. And when we're hurting, we're almost like a raw nerve walking around. And so it's that much easier to lose control. It's that much easier to give in to anger. And when we're hurting, it's so important to understand why we're hurting and to talk to people and to have people in our lives that will listen 
and to pray, definitely to pray and to go to Jesus always. And part of learning control, part of letting go is to remember that that God is with us all the time. But more than that, to remember, like it says in the scripture, um, that, that the Holy Spirit is working within us, working through us. This is the amazing thing about this entire series and about our entire lives. This isn't just a God saying, hey, you're dealing with anger or you're dealing with, with hurt or you're dealing with addiction or you're dealing with whatever. So, you know, come back to me in about six months when you've got this under control and we'll talk. No, it's God saying, hey, I'm going to help you through this. I'm going to put the right people in your lives and I'm going to put the right things in your lives. And I'm going to help you to see the problems and to talk about the problems and to know that you can get through it because we are not alone. In Ephesians, where it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior, that's very intimidating at first. But then we remember that he's saying, I'm going to help you do that. And we set that example for other people by working at it. Um, nobody, nobody except ourselves expects ourselves to be perfect all the time. And that's something I struggle with, but... People are going to understand if you say, hey, I had a really bad week and I'm really sorry. Uh, and, and so please forgive me. And just I, I, I just I can't believe that I did that. I can't believe I said that. And to truly apologize. I will tell you this. There's nothing that brings more respect than when you admit that you're wrong or you admit that you need help or you admit that you need to apologize. I see a lot more wives nodding at that than husbands, but that's fine. Sorry, Tim, but it's it's something that we all deal with together. And as far as like the singular words, like bitterness is something that we don't associate with anger all the time. But that's kind of the start of it. We're bitter because things haven't worked out. We're bitter because other people have more than us. We're bitter because it's just a bad day. Aristotle used to go to school with him. Uh, He said bitterness is the resentful spirit that refuses reconciliation. That's basically what giving into your anger is. It's refusing reconciliation. It's refusing to get help. It's refusing to say, I'm worth doing better. And that can be hard, but it's so true. And God is with us. And the other thing we kind of do, the other thing that, that can tie us down to anger is, I'll change tomorrow. I'll take care of this tomorrow. I am a tremendous procrastinator. And I mean that in every possible word. Like, I'm a great procrastinator. But it's also not great because I always do it. But I found out very early that if I wait to write papers until roughly two hours before they do, I still get an A. But that's a lot of pressure in those two hours. And so when we put something off, there's always a cost. And when we wait till tomorrow, there's never a perfect time to change. There's never a perfect time to grow. There's never a perfect time to get help. But like I said, we are not alone. And so I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 26. You have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But, if, but I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. 
When you're on the way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you'll be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. We read that and we think, I think like we all do, how can anger be the same thing as murder? Like, like murder is actually ending someone's life. Murder is actually bad. Anger, come on, I'm, I'm mad and I know that it's not right, but I'm not murdering anybody. But what Jesus is saying there is in your hearts. When you kill someone in your hearts, that sets that foothold thing again. And it allows the devil to have a foothold and it allows us to start to harden our hearts. And we think of that phrase and we remember it from times like the Pharaoh or, or from Judas or from other people throughout the Bible that it's like, well, I'm not like them. But they didn't start out like that. Something hardened their hearts first and then it moved a step and then it moved a step. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying that, that in a court, if you have somebody, like let's say, let's say Ben Oldfield murdered somebody, he didn't. And let's say that uh, Jason Gibson uh, was just really angry at somebody. He's not saying, well, they both should go to prison for life or whatever. He's not saying that. But he's saying in their hearts, they're doing the same thing. And I reemphasize, Ben didn't do anything wrong. But in their hearts, they're doing the same thing. And that starts something that is even worse than jail, even worse than the consequences we pay on earth. And one change to our heart can lead to more if it goes unchecked. And so Jesus is saying this to get our attention and to say, hey guys, <coughs> excuse me, hey guys, we like to think that, that our anger is justified, or we like to think this, or we like to think that, but we got to be in control. We got to stand up. We got to do more. We've got to do better. And the, one of the many, many millions of amazing things about Jesus is that he never just said what we needed to work on and then walked away. He gave us ways to do it. And he talks about stopping. He talks about going to get help. He talks about not just letting it go, not letting the sun go down. All of these things he says. And when he says something like, if you call somebody an idiot, you're in danger of hell. I got to ask you. Now, this is a rhetorical question. How many times in the last week on 129 or 75 were we in pretty danger? Think about it. That's crazy. But when it's us, it's like, ah, whatever, I don't mean it. But Jesus is saying, guys, it has to start somewhere. And I'm with you, and that's so cool. And when he says, if you're presenting a sacrifice, go and make it right. Go and talk now. Because the more we put it off, the harder it is to talk then because it just builds this space and it builds this anger and it builds this resentment and this bitterness. And he's like, guys, stop. So I like to use quotes and there's nobody that tops Jesus, but I have one uh, that is a very respected source. And it is a quote from Daniel Tiger. <laughs> Daniel Tiger is awesome. And so I watch it with Beatrice all the time and sometimes by myself. When you feel so mad that you want to roar, take a deep breath and count to four. Now we see that and we see the little tiger and it's like, that's silly, that's funny, that's fun. But I sing this with Beatrice, you will never hear it. I sing this with Beatrice and she gets this idea. And so I was talking to her the other day and she's two, so it, you know, conversations. Uh, but I was talking about what makes her mad and she told me something, like she actually answered it. And it was something kind of silly, but it was her. 
And so from an early age, we kind of understand things like this. And so this is a simplified version of what Jesus is saying. When we feel ourselves get mad and we want to scream, we want to send that text, we want to make that post, we want to just go at somebody, stop. And, you know, you don't literally have to count to four, but stop and do something. Maybe it is count to four. Maybe it's count to ten. Maybe for some of us it's count to about 250. But it's just stop for a moment. And it's simple, but it's true. Pause before that text, before that email, before that response. Because when we do things in the heat of the moment, nine times out of ten, we really regret that afterwards. And we think, why did I say that? I know that for myself, I can think of times throughout my life where I've said something and afterwards I'm like, what am I doing? Sometimes, and maybe you can be with me on this, sometimes in the heat of the moment, I'm thinking, what am I saying while I'm saying it? But it's just like you want to, you get in this argument, you get in this heated exchange. But like Jesus said, like Daniel said, if we stop and we think, why am I so mad? What, what is the best response? How am I going to get the best response here? Is it screaming somebody's head off? Is it insulting them? Is it insulting their life? Is it insulting somebody else? Or is it stopping and thinking, what's going on here? How can I diffuse this? How can I do better? How, how can I just be better? And it's hard. If it were just us in the world, that'd be pretty easy. Because, you know, we're all here right now, and we all hear this, and we all can do this. The problem is, there are a lot of other people. And not everybody is going to stop and count. Some people are going to ramp it up and try to make you mad. Some people are, are, are trying to make you lose control. Some people just want to get under your skin. Like, that's 90% of the internet. is just trying to get under people's skin. And so what do we do then? Here's the thing with Christianity, and here's the thing with what Jesus said, here's the thing with Jesus' life. The responsibility falls on us for how we act, for how we respond, for how we treat other people. And absolutely, sometimes people are going to just come back at us twice as hard. It's not their life that we can control. We can only control what we can control. Which sounds simple, but how often do we have to repeat that to ourselves to remind us and to do it? And to think, you know what, at the end of my life, at the end of my life, which am I going to regret more? Yelling at people and being angry? Am I going to regret that I didn't do that more? Am I going to regret that I didn't win more fights? Or am I going to regret that maybe I stopped talking to somebody that I could have helped? Or am I going to regret that I really blew up a situation that maybe I, I could have calmed down? I mean, it's fairly obvious when you put it out like that. Nobody at the end of their life thinks, oh man, I wish I'd been madder. Not even the Hulk. I wish I'd been madder. And which makes more difference? Which has more of an impact? Look at Jesus, like we should for everything. Do you think as he lived his life, there was nothing that he could have blown up at? I mean, people were yelling at him all the time. People were screaming at him as he was dying for them. He could have done what we'd do. 
He could have screamed. He could have just yelled. He could have cursed people. And his curses were legit. But he didn't. He set an example. He loved. He, he stood up. But he did it in the right way. One more scripture I want to read. This is James 1, 19 through 22. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. I'm going to read that one more time. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. I use this scripture a lot because I love it because it's right to the point. Because James, like Jesus and like Paul, are saying, hey, you got to stop and think. And if so many people throughout the Bible are saying, hey, anger is bad, you got to stop and think, we should be taking that in. Um, I've taught this before and I've said, so I'm not a carpenter at all, but I believe the phrase is measure twice, cut once. I think I got that right. And what I like to say, and what I've probably said in here even, is listen twice and respond once. Be slow to respond. Be slow to get angry. Be quick to listen. Think about your lives. Has there ever been a time, ever, where you've gotten angry or you've gotten upset and then realized later you just misunderstood? That happened. And so if we listen closely and we listen to it, uh, one of my friends posted this once, and I try to stay off of social media because it's just frustrating, but I saw this, and it was basically, let me get it right, the world is changed by our example, not by our opinion. The world is changed by our example, not by our opinion. It doesn't mean our opinion doesn't matter doesn't mean we shouldn't share it when asked or when we're talking, but it's our example with how we share it. It's our example with how we treat other people. It's our example with how we deal with anger that will change people, that will help people, that will show people Jesus. And none of this means let everybody walk all over you. Nobody's saying that. In fact, Jesus stood up for everything he believed in. But he did it in the right way. Paul who knew a little thing about anger because he dealt with it and he was a murderer. He knew what it was like to give in, so he was that much more emphasizing of the fact, hey, we got to get a handle on this. But even then, he stood up for what he believed in. He went to jail for what he believed in. James, too. So many people throughout the Bible that we think of as our heroes, they stood up for what they believed in. But they did it in the right way. They didn't need to hulk out. They didn't need to smash. They didn't need to hurt people's feelings. They just did it in the right way. So this isn't saying, hey, just let everybody win every argument. Let everybody walk all over you. Let everybody treat you like garbage. This isn't saying that at all. But this is saying stop and think, what would Jesus do here? What's the best way to respond? And to realize if we have a problem, uh, 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 an issue with our anger that it's not something we should just put off 
something we should talk about, something that we should work on, something that we should pray about, and then get going now. Praying for help, praying for for guidance, praying for control, praying for people to to, just be there. And God's going to answer every one of those prayers. But we have to recognize that we have that issue. And like I said with Paul, Jesus literally told him, hey, you've got to change your life. Now, he may not blind us, but he will literally get a hold of us in some way. Maybe it's in a relationship that we've shattered. Maybe it's a job we've lost. Maybe it's something, a road rage that we gave into. But he'll get a hold of us and say, hey, it's time to change. And with Paul, what is so awesome about Paul is as soon as his sight came back, he was out. He was starting churches and preaching and doing everything. And absolutely, I guarantee you that a lot of people, everybody he met was reminding him about his past. But he kept doing it. And so as soon as he gets a hold of us, as soon as we realize, as soon as we know, get going on it. Get praying on it. Stop and think and move forward. Most people, the vast, vast majority of people in the world are going to be introduced to God's word through the way we act in the world. Through the way we speak in the world. Through the way we treat others in the world. Through the way we post in the world. Through the way we text in the world. Through the way we live in the world. Far more than anything I say. Because it comes down to that example. That is what this series is about. And that is what this message is about. It's about losing the things that tie us down. But gaining so much more. Gaining so much more help. Gaining so much more impact. Gaining so much more of a relationship. Just being better. We're at the end of January, which is insane because it was just like November. And so I'm not going to say anything like, oh, the year's going fast. You know, we know it is. But I am going to say, as I've said before, resolutions, who cares? Just a calendar date doesn't mean it's time to change. Knowing that we have a chance to set a better example for the world, for the younger generations, for for just God's word. That is all the impetus we need. And the best part is that Jesus is with us. And he's provided us with a church and with a, a, a faith family to help us. Because every single person in here and every single person in the other service struggles with something. Something. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's something else. But we all understand that only through God can we do better. And we help each other. We lift each other up. We just move forward together. I believe there's a phrase that I've seen a couple times, better together. might be for stepping forward, but it's still something that's awesome. We're better together. The Hulk was better with the Avengers. Daniel Tiger is better in his family. Paul was far better once he accepted Jesus and accepted his flaws. 
We are all better once we understand, hey, God is with me. And God can be seen in me. And I'm going to do my best. Not only to, to do my best, but to help others with what they struggle with. To help others to be big losers too. That's all I got.